Hi, welcome to Info Dumpies. I'm Brienne. I'm autistic. I'm ADHD. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a daywalker, bridging the gap between the worlds of night and day, forever torn between them, but belonging to neither. And I'm Violet. My pronouns are she, her. I have ADHD. And earlier today, I met with some vampires who shot lasers at my face. I don't know what that had to do with them being vampires, but it was great. And our guest today is Bobby. Bobby is autistic. His pronouns are he, him. And he said I had to formally invite him to the Zoom meeting Mm -hmm. or he couldn't enter. All right. So Bobby's here today to teach us all about Bela Lugosi. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so I met Bobby on TikTok, and Bobby makes some really great content about Bela Lugosi and Dracula and Universal Monsters in general, too, and also about being autistic. And I love your stuff. I always learned so much. Vampires are what part of my sphere of autistic special interest, and I think ours have enough overlap that it's like... I learn a lot of things, and it feels like I get to learn new stuff about my special interests, because mine are, like, very much 90s vampire stuff, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer specifically, but I also (laughs) just love vampires in general. And the other show we make is, like, a comedy that has vampires in it, like, Violet voices a character named Carmilla. Cool. (laughs) So, yeah, I love vampires. (laughs) That's so cool. And I'm so excited to learn about Bela Lugosi. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I love your videos, too. And I learned thank a lot from you. them, too. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm i I'm not as big of, like, a vampire knowledge person. Uh, when Brianna and I started dating, she was like, so in this, there's this one thing in, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I was like, I've never seen that. And she was like, you've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And so that, <laughs> I watched the whole thing. It took uh, a while, but watched it start to finish. I'm watching Angel currently. And so that's the, where oh, the, cool. the majority of my vampire knowledge comes from. And also just through her. Um, I, I'll be fully honest. I know next to nothing about Mela Lugosi. So I'm very excited. I, I am a complete blank slate here. I'm always happy to talk about Bela Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, heck yeah. You're in the right place for it. So can you tell us when you first got interested in Bela Lugosi? So um, I first saw Dracula. It was, uh, well, I, I saw Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein first. And then I saw like other Dracula things. But I didn't see Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein on the regular because it was at my dad's house. And he kind of controlled like what movies we watched. And, um, and then I saw Dracula when I was seven. <laughs> and then when I was, uh, I think it was like a year later, I saw the documentary Monster Mania hosted by Jack Palance. And that's where I learned my first Bela Lugosi fact. I'll never forget it. It was, and um, they were talking about how he played Dracula. And he said, it didn't hurt that he had created the role on Broadway. And he was born and raised in the real live wilds of Transylvania. <laughs> and that just blew my mind. Like, this is like this is the coolest guy ever. <laughs> Heck yeah. It's always, there's always a very special feeling when you learn something and you're like, oh, oh, I'm going to be into this. <laughs> yeah, this, this yeah. has awoken like something t- in me. Th- you can tell this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be a thing I'm obsessed with. I can feel it. Like, yeah. yeah, that's how it felt immediately. Like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have to learn everything. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little about Bela? Like, where did he get his start? 
So he was born in Lugos, Hungary, which is because Transylvania is a, is a region, so it's not exact country. It's like more like a ge- general geographical area. Okay. And um, wait, hold on a second. My dog's trying to bite my feet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like, you're not able to go see. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> uh, you come down now. We have uh, three. We have three dogs, and Violet's got one in her room. So. Any mm-hmm. dog Sleep interruptions right are, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> any dog interruptions are more than understood. Yeah. Oh, cool. Bela had dogs too. Oh, really? Yeah, he had. Um, this is funny. One, of, he always had big dogs, and one of them bit Spanky's dad from you know from the Little Rascals. One of his dog <laughs> bit Spanky's dad, and he and he had to rush because he didn't have the paperwork done yet. So he had to rush. He had to rush and hurry to get the paperwork done real quick after that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> oh, so Abela goes. He starts. So he started, and um, he was born in Lugos, Hungary, and he just always wanted to be an actor. So he would perform like plays in like local, like like empty warehouses in the area. And then he uh, ran away from home. He he always said twelve. Like recent evidence suggests it was more like fourteen, sixteen. But uh, he uh, left and he became an actor. Like in in Hungary, he played all sorts of stage roles. And he did the Hungarian play Lilium. He played Jesus Christ. He played. He was in the uh, the National Theater of Budapest, and there they had a ranking system where they would uh, the different actors would play the same roles, and they would do different versions of the same play, and they would rank the actors against each other, like they'd be competing against each other. And he was ranked at one point as number one. Huh. Like literal then, competitive acting. That's really cool. Yeah, and then um, and then. Then he served in World War One. I. I mean, oh, wow. he didn't have to because actors were actually exempt from military service, and huh. uh, but he wanted to. And then after um, after World War One, he got involved. He was involved in theater, but he was also involved. He wanted. He was always very pro union. And hell yeah. Um, and so he actually helped. There, there was a revolution in Hungary, and in with this revolution, he helped create the first ever combination stage and screen actor union. But unfortunately, six months later, another government came into power. So he was put on the enemies list. So him and his wife, Alona, they had to flee in the middle of the night. It was like really scary. Like um, they got word in the middle of the night. So they had to, they like hid in this like wagon and they got to an airplane. Like the police were shooting oh at them. Yeah, and then they escaped. To, they fled to Germany. And then uh, she, and believe it or not, he so he wasn't Nosferatu, but he played the butler in F.W. Murnau, who directed Nosferatu. He did his own version of Jekyll and Hyde. And Bela Lugosi, he played the butler in that while he was in Germany. And they, and then his wife, his wife's parents, like, called her to come back. And so she went back with them. And then Bela, he, um, he there was a cargo ship going to America. And he, he told the captain that he had, like, sailor experience. He, he really didn't, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold claim. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I, I can sail a boat. Yeah. yeah. But, also, could it be? But, but also, like, the consequences are, well, we're in the middle of the ocean now. What are you going to do? <laughs> right, yeah, I can yeah. help you. <laughs> hey, if you fuck it up real bad, who's going to blame you? Nobody will know. Right, yeah, right. Nobody will know. <laughs> <laughs> and plus is it illegal in international waters to sail a boat all right yeah <laughs> oh my god that's he's so like funny. i can figure it out <laughs> i'll just act like was, a boat captain and, and there we go yeah that was Bela. That was like he would so he would like bend the truth now and then but he was always like very confident about it like, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> and then so the, he um, came over. He came over on a cargo ship. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, he came over. On, uh, yeah, he landed in uh, New Orleans, which is actually wow. like kind of a perfect vampire location. But I was gonna yeah. say that's the right? perfect. Va- that's the most vampire-y place in America. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and it was actually it was kind of a scary boat ride too because he was um kind of bragging about the stuff he did and I apparently uh, according to him the. When the sailors heard he had like helped like in the revolution and everything, they kind of turned against him. Oh, no. So he had, yeah. So they, they and they wanted to kill him. So he was like hiding in the hall, and I believe it was the engineer like would sneak him food. Holy moly! Whoa. So he pretends to be captain or, or pretend to have sailing experience. So they let him on, and then when they he gets on, they learn that he helped in the revolution, and so they now they're trying to kill him, and so he has to hide on the ship. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I, like. I mean, so they must have known he was somewhere on the ship the whole time and just gave up or something. That's I yeah. The, the, like the details are very vague about it, but it was it's it, it's. I mean, it had to be horrifying, you know, because yeah. it seemed like the and it, was, it seemed like a, yeah. a couple of engineers. I think you know some people were helping him, you know, and I don't know how active they were trying. You know how active the search was, but I know that like they turned against him. Be scary. So, yeah. Yeah. So once he gets in New Orleans, what does he do? So um, he, he made his way to New York, and he was actually directing plays in the hung, uh, Hungarian theater community. Oh. And then he, uh, in his early parts, the, his English parts, he d- didn't speak English yet, so he learned those phonetically, his early parts on stage. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And then, yeah. Huh. It's, uh, that's like a, a running theme with Bela Lugosi, uh, is, is this the power of concentration. Yeah, that's so hard. That's so hard. I yeah, could not it, imagine going on stage somewhere in like France or Italy, somewhere where I don't speak the language, and just repeating back the phonetic phrases that they tell me to say or something. Like I, yeah. I have a degree in linguistics. I have a degree in linguistics. I'm very good at phonetics, and I would be like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> right? no, thank you. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> Because you have to kind of know what you're saying, like for the emotion to be right, like, yeah. and to memorize things, to memorize things that you have no—they are just sounds that have no meaning. You know what I mean? If the yeah. sounds don't have meaning to you, it's so much harder to memorize things. That's why memorizing right, yeah. numbers—that's why memorizing numbers is harder for a lot of people because they have a value but not an actual meaning. So memorizing words when you don't know what the words mean—that's so hard. He might as well have been oh, wow. memorizing strings of numbers. Right, yeah. Oh, that makes sense, because I always had a hard time remembering math formulas and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So that is incredible. That, that is really incredible is. that he did that. Yeah, and then um, then he was doing, like, uh, he did some plays on Broadway. And then when uh, Horace Liverite, who was kind of, like, give you an idea, he was, like, sort of like a real-life great Gatsby. He was a Broadway oh, producer, that... and he had, like, a secret doorway in his office that led to a party room and <laughs> Sorry, what, what did you say his name was again horace liverite horace liverite cool that's a very was, cool name right <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was producing dracula on broadway okay and it was a big, they had cast all the parts and they had run out of money and so they couldn't afford a big name actor and then they, when they heard this guy who was like, like had been from transylvania they cast him and uh, during the uh, first few weeks of rehearsal, Bela was just kind of like saying his lines. You know, just, he wasn't really acting. Yeah. And um, and everyone else was already like into character. 
And so Horace Livery, he called him for a meeting in his office. And Bela explained, but and they and, and they had like the date was like coming up where they had to do the dress rehearsal for the financial backers. Oh my god. And he god. explained, right, right now we work for a position. Our lines must be perfect. We save the performance for tomorrow evening. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then he, so he had it already. He was just like quietly preparing it, you know? That's funny. And then, and then when they did it, the, um, the big scene they put on for the financial backers was the scene when he hypnotizes the maid. And he does, uh, from now on, you will carry out any suggestion that reaches you for my brain instantly and without question. When I will you to do a thing, it shall be done. And they That's were like, amazing. oh, he wasn't, they were like, he wasn't doing that in rehearsals. Yeah, yeah, they were blown <laughs> oh away. <my> God. <laughs> <laughs> that, see, that, that would have given me some fucking goosebumps if I was like, A, an the investor, and B, the other actor. I would have been like, whoa. Right, where yeah. Did this, where did this no come from? expected this. <laughs> that is a really cool, like, way to go about that. Really interesting. Just like, wait yeah. till the right moment and then go all out. Right, yeah, and I I think that's what I, from my, what I understand. I think that's what Marlon Brando used to do too. Is like when he was on stage roles, is that first he would like kind of mumble and like, <laughs> and then huh. he didn't really have it like like first or like when it's like streetcar named desire and stuff like that, and um and it wasn't until like it was and it took him like time to like formulate exactly what he wanted to do. That's so interesting, especially just thinking about all the different schools of acting and like acting back then too. Yeah. And I don't know if it's being autistic or what, but when I'm voice acting, I'm doing it. I have to practice it a million different ways before I go. That's the one I like. That one sounds best to yeah. me. Like, so just to be like, I'm just going to say the lines and then what comes out comes out would give me so much anxiety. I right? can't imagine doing that. <laughs> I so practice, I-, I practice conversations to order food. <laughs> so i'm holistic but i i have adhd and so for me i actually can kind of relate to that a little bit because sometimes i feel like if i've rehearsed something too much i used to uh run professional games of dungeons and dragons the tabletop oh, playing wow. game cool. um and so that involves a lot of improv improvisation and just coming up with stuff off the top of your head and I, I found that myself, if I rehearsed a scene or something like that to myself, when it actually came time to do it, I would like overthink it and like catch myself going, well, I did it better back then or something like that and get too in my head. And so mm-hmm. I, it really interesting. I, I, it kind of, I relate to that a little bit. Like I was saving the energy for the moment. I, that's really cool. And I, I, I kind of vibe with that. That's so and the neat. autism, and the mm-hmm. autism experiences, you ordered that sandwich weird. Practice it in your head a million. Practice it in your head a million times, so you can order a sandwich less weird. Right. It's it's no ketchup, not negative ketchup. (laughs) Oh gosh. I like negative ketchup. It's like I don't even want ketchup on the same area as my sandwich. Yeah. Just throw some ketchup away as you're making it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Destroy the Heinz factory at once. <laughs> <laughs> Nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Right. <laughs> um, so 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 when the investors see this, how do they respond? How do they, they take it? 
they were they were blown away, Gosh. and they didn't have because originally they had to put on another scene like for the for the backers. They didn't even have to do that because they were just that wowed by it. That's awesome. They were That's like amazing. instantly like, here, take my money. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and Violet, I feel like you and I need to watch um, Bela's Dracula because there is there is truly something otherworldly about how he delivers these things. And when you watch it, you'll be like, oh, every other person to play Dracula or like a Dracula-coded vampire since then is like basing it off of Bela's Dracula. That, to some that makes a lot of sense because like he's, I, he, I've seen, he's the blueprint. He is, I've, yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of depictions of like Nosferatu esque Dracula type depictions and things like that, and v- various things. And I, I have seen still images of Bela Lugosi's uh, playing that that character, and it's it's just like there's there is something otherworldly. I think that right. is the the right word there. So I'm I'm stoked. I want to watch it absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing you mentioned that. Even like in the still shots, it's like it's still all there. You know the otherworldliness, yeah. that, that 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 menace, the the, the creepy quality. Because that's what he. That's what always amazes me so much about it is he really feels like a vampire. And he's you know, someone lot... who he's someone who he is acting with his entire body. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can mm. see it in a still picture. You can see he's yeah. changing everything he does. Yeah. So there's a, a phrase that I've heard tossed around for only only a few movies, but it's um, every frame is a painting. Would you say that 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 applies here? Because it sounds mm-hmm. like that's kind of the territory we're getting into. Yeah, oh, I, I would definitely say that applies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You could take that so makes many me stills. Super excited. Yeah, you could take a still of most of that version of Dracula, and it's it is art. Yeah. Because so cool. every every movement that I mean the, the way he would do his hand. The eyes, how it was, he, he, how he wouldn't blink, and the way even there's this part where he just like turns, and you and feel way, that he's undead. Yeah, like the only other person I think who even comes close is maybe Doug Jones, of like acting with his full body because he acts in prosthetics so much that when he's preparing for a role, he says he rents out a dance studio with the big mirrors, wow. and practices moving like that character. And trying to figure out how do they walk, how do they turn, how do they, how do they sit, what's their resting, like figuring all of that out. And he said he'll spend like five to eight hours figuring it out and take inspiration from different things. Like, I want to say for Star Trek, he was like thinking of like, there was one where he's thinking about matadors and he was trying to get movements down. But I feel like Bela probably did really similar stuff to figure mm-hmm. out to make every movement he did be a vampire right yeah and something really interesting about him being from the real transylvania area is like especially the more rural people who like he would have encountered in the marketplace and stuff like that some of them would have really believed in vampires so the so his knowledge of vampires was based on the real legends of the carpathian mountains oh wow So he's he's yeah. probably basing what he's doing off of like people that he knows from real life telling him stories that they are invested in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. It, it it would be like if someone was like telling you like oh my god, it's it's hard to fathom because we don't in modern day, you know, it's so with the internet and everything, it's so hard to have like these 
stories of monsters and creatures that people actually believe in you know right yeah um but yeah i feel like that's something that would be so hard to replicate nowadays that experience of being told those stories i wonder do you do you think bella uh sorry bela lugosi believed in vampires himself i i don't think so i i don't i don't because he didn't he didn't seem like especially like interested like in the like in the in the occult like that okay the like this this was his quote, and I always liked it. I've never met the vampire personally, but you never know what tomorrow will bring. <laughs> That's very well said. <laughs> That's very well said. But yeah, so after the stakeholders were like, um, shut up and take our money. <laughs> this guy is wild. We love him. What was Bela up to next? So we did the Broadway play, and it was a huge success. And he was considered a romantic idol. Really? Because you have to remember, like, in, in the 1920s, because this was 1927, the Broadway play. In the 1920s, the the the, the big male hottie was Rudolph Valentino. And he had just died. And he yeah. and Bela had some of those, like, same exotic qualities. Yeah. But he was an, as a vampire, as an evil vampire. Yeah. So it was, it was an incredible smash. So he did the Broadway play. And he did uh, tours across the country. And then Universal bought the uh, the rights to the movie, and he really, really wanted to do it. But they were thinking, first they were thinking Lon Chaney, mm-hmm. and then when he passed away, they were thinking Conrad Veidt. There were all these other actors that they that they wanted to have play Dracula. In the meantime, he was like writing them letters, oh say, saying how interested he was in playing Dracula. He helped negotiate the asking price with the Bram Stoker's widow to get that down. And just try, trying to like put himself into the forefront, and local newspaper like new, California newspapers were like pulling for him because anyone who saw him do it like knew how yeah, they're like he needs to play Dracula. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not it's not like they could be like, listen, here's a YouTube video of him playing Dracula to like right, sell it right. to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that was not easy. At the low price of only five hundred dollars a week. The for, <laughs> oh my gosh. He, he signed on to play Dracula. Dang, that's I think that's more than I'm making right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I, I I didn't mean that. I mean like for like actor salaries. For actor like salary, yeah, no, absolutely. Then. With the whole like the the strikes, sack after strikes, and everything going on. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that's great pay considering. I was going to say, I think he would also, since he started a union, you just made me think, like, he would also, if he were alive today, probably be like, hell yeah, SAG-AFTRA, go on strike. Yeah, he would, yeah. I was going to ask, so he started filming Dracula, right? In yeah. in what year? It was like near the end of 1930. Cool, and Dracula came out in 31, right? Yeah, 1930, yeah, uh, right uh, Valentine's Day of 1931. Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh that's, ama- that's amazing. Yeah. And it that's... was advertised as the story of the strangest passion the world has ever known. Oh my gosh. That's a great tagline. That I, also... I bet people went wild for that. Oh, it, people loved it. People loved it. There, um, It was like the original audience. There's a scene when it's Van Helsing versus Dracula. And he pulls out a cross. And at this time, Dracula is the most horrifying thing the audience had seen. And when he pulled out the cross, the audience burst into applause. Oh, my gosh. It was so, <laughs> it was so suspenseful, you know? Because like in, in American films, they, you know, they had you know, launched Phantom the Opera and stuff like that. But they had, this was the first real, like, full-out supernatural monster. And did Wild. he kind of 
like I don't know the order of Universal Monsters stuff, but he did he kind of launch Universal Monsters into like people were obsessed with these supernatural movies. He really he really did, yeah. Because like like I said, like I mean, you know, Phantom of the Lon Chaney came before Phantom of the yeah. Opera and Hunchback of Notre Dame, but they're not really like supernatural characters like yeah. that so is he, he so like when dracula came out that's when they um when they wanted to do frankenstein was because of dracula oh, and yeah. originally um originally they actually wanted uh well Bela, he was going to be in frankenstein and he robert flory was going to direct and bela he really wanted to play dr frankenstein oh he would kill later on he would and later it, yeah. on he did like a lot of mad scientists so he would have been you know really good at that the studio insisted he play the monster. I'm hoping to find out some more. A new bog, a biography of Bela the revised edition of The Man Behind the Cape is coming out this, this spring. Ooh. So I'm hoping to find out like more information about this. Because I, I think like some lost letters between Robert Flory and Bela Lugosi have surfaced. Oh, cool. But, Very yeah. cool. Yeah, but uh, Robert Flory was dropped from the project. And Bela, he did a, a makeup test as the monster. But then he turned it down. And to the script that he turned down, it wasn't quite up to the same levels of Boris Karloff's script. Like the monster didn't have any like sympathetic elements. It was a much more of just a straightforward monster character. Oh, hmm. I could see yeah. why he would drop that. Yeah, yeah, because Frankenstein, I think, is only Frankenstein because of the sympathetic elements. Yeah, I think that was a good call. Yeah. I I do too. Like the, like there's a scene like when um in the in, in the finished film when Frankenstein when he kills a um a little girl and what happens is. She's showing them how to like throw flowers in the water so that they float and, and he's doing it too. And then when he throws her in and kills her, he's thinking she'll float too. But in the original script, the monster is, uh, he sees her and like wades through the water and his whole intention is just to drown her. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's that's much less. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. much less. And that is changing such a, a core part of the, the story of Frankenstein yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, it what definitely is. Right, yeah. So in the wake so, of such a huge hit as Dracula and turning down Frankenstein, what did Bela do next? Well, then uh, the next Friday, they lined them up, Robert Flory and Bela up with Murders in the Rue Morgue. But when Frankenstein was actually, a, it was a, a, it was, the, was the even bigger hit than Dracula. Because, I mean, Dracula was, it was one of the top 10 grossing movies of 1931. And it was, uh, uh, but Frankenstein, it was number one. Oh, wow. So the Universal went with Boris Karloff more. And they didn't, and they they offered him a long term contract, but not Bela. So then Bela, he sort of um, he sort of beca- wasn't working for any major studio. Who work he would work for like like sign for like multi picture deals, and um, you know like a picture here and there, as opposed to like the long term contract systems that were so popular then. Yeah, and for but the listeners, did- I was going to tell the listeners. Uh, yeah. Back then, rather than sign on to do a movie, and it could be movies at different studios, actors were signed on with a studio for a certain number of years and were kind of a workhorse for that studio. They would sign people and they would do a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of movies. And it was so much so that like the studios kind of owned them for yeah, that amount yeah. of time. Huh. They that... they did not they did not have as much privilege to turn down as much stuff from the studios because it was like, no, you have a contract with Paramount or Universal or MGM. You have you you gotta do these movies for us in this time period. Interesting. So for yeah, so for Bela not to be signed on and Boris, that's that's a big deal back then because it was a completely yeah. different environment. 
So what did he do after that? So he um so he like would do different movies for different studios. He did like a white zombie. He did um he did Shandu the Magician. So he he did like a lot of great parts. And then he did he did still work for Universal. Like uh, they 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 tended to tell like Boris Karloff always got like higher pay and was like number one in the credits. But he um he did like the black cat. It was a really, a really great role for him. He plays um this is this was their first collaboration, Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi. And what it is, is Bela Lugosi plays a, uh, a psychiatrist who had served at the fort where Boris Karloff was the leader during World War I. And, the, and Boris sold the fort out to the, Ru- to the Russians. And then Bela, he, um, he comes back for like revenge. And the whole movie, you think he's like, it's surprising because he's like playing like, a, you know, kind of a dark hero, but a hero. And then at the end, he goes insane and skin Boris, Boris Karloff alive. Oh my god! Whoa. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, so he was getting roles. It was just picking and choosing and going to different studios, but sadly, getting paid less than Boris Karloff. It's like, I feel like if they would have put him in more of this stuff, they would have been like, "Oh, people want to see Bela too." Yeah, right. Because <laughs> he did like all the roles he got, he did really great in, you know, like and he was in The Raven, he played a uh, Dr. Bob, uh, Edgar Allan Poe obsessed mad scientist. He was really good in that. And then he did, um, so he, yeah, he did a lot of other things too. Bela was really bad with his money as well. He had a, he had a very like live for the day, the heck with tomorrow kind of mentality, which you understand because of how Keep, close he was with that. Yeah, 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 given his life, given his life up until then, yeah, I get that. And then he was very generous with friends. He would have, um, he would especially import Hungarian sulfur water. Uh, oh, like wow. he, one time he, he, he didn't drive, only his wife didn't, but he bought two cars. And so he would <laughs> so, <laughs> And it was like even because because like even when he still lived in Transylvania when he was a struggling actor, oranges were really expensive there. They were about the same price of like, like someone said they were about the same price of like Kobe beef, and he would like, buy like twelve orange like twelve twelve oranges a day so he could have fresh squeezed oranges every orange juice every day. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so he was kind of bougie. Yeah, yeah, he was bougie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. <laughs> so he would like spend money as soon as he got it. So sometimes, they, so he was always like kind of desperate for work. So he was never able to really like haggle to get like the asking price up for his like salary. Because he just he had to take something. Like, yeah. 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 So did World War II affect his movie making at all or? There was actually, I, I think I take, take it back a little bit. So in night with the Raven, mm-hmm. um, it was considered, which was, he plays a uh, mad scientist obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe. And he has like the various torture devices in his, in, his, in his cell. It was considered so horrifying that England banned horror films. So Hollywood stopped making them. Oh. And there was this two year period where Bela like got almost no work. He, this oh gosh, it, it, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, he was expecting this around, was, Yeah, I was going to say, sorry, they did a really similar thing with comics where horror comics nearly got band you couldn't say things like zombie you couldn't do a bunch really? of other things yeah you had to there was a thing called the comics code authority and old comics that have it stamped on it have a very specific set of rules and horror comics were some of the most impacted so like huh. ec comics and all the ones who yeah. did a bunch of horror stuff 
were basically is, is, left. Is that, that why some like is that, that is that why some comics like use like the term walker and stuff like that instead of zombie and things? Is that no, where that that's, comes from? That's the walker part. I think is just okay. Robert Kirkman doing the Walking <laughs> Dead. But <laughs> that's fair. Um, but yeah, there were just so many very specific rules. So it it's interesting that film was doing a really right. similar thing at the time. You know, it affected Boris Karloff too, but really because Boris was already higher up, it really affected Bela. So it, it was, like I said, there was this like two year period where he didn't get like any film work, like barely at all. And he was expecting his, uh, I mean, his wife were expecting their son. That's when he had the two cars. Oh my god! He had, uh, he had, um, he actually had to uh, to sell some of his his dogs that he loved, like because oh, he just no. couldn't afford it. Yeah, he later he bought him. It was for a higher price, but he bought him back. Oh good. oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a, but this two year period, and then there was this theater in Beverly Hills, and they had nothing to show, so they got themselves a hold of copies of Son of Kong, Frankenstein, and Dracula. And they ran it as a triple feature. And Son of Kong didn't do so hot, but the double feature of Dracula and Frankenstein drove lines around the block. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and so and and it and they Universal released it as a national double feature of Dracula and Frankenstein. And then they started making monster films again. He played um, he played Igor and Son of Frankenstein. And the director originally, uh, the Universal told him. To shoot all of Bela, he was playing Igor, which was a really great role for him. It was completely different from Dracula. They told the director to shoot all the scenes together so that they would only have to pay him $500 a week for like just a couple weeks. But the director Mm. kept adding to the script and kept making his part bigger and bigger and bigger. So, yeah, so it'd be on for the whole production. That's clever. (laughs) Yeah. And he, he is so great in this. Like, um, he he, play, he plays like the old assistant who would help Dr. Frankenstein, and he has a broken neck. And they and uh, the the son of Dr. Frankenstein asks him like, "Why is your neck broken?" And he said, "They hang me once because I stole bodies." Oh, they said, <laughs> and "They threw me here and wouldn't put me in holy place like churchyard because I stole bodies." Oh, they said, <laughs> <laughs> "That's really good." That's another one and, where he gets to act from head to toe, just yeah, absolutely so every good. every part of him, yeah. And then and uh, so then to answer, go back to your question, <laughs> so World War Two, um, his when Universal started making them again, they weren't hiring him at the same level as they had before. So at that point, he was working at like uh, some of the, again like starring roles at some of the uh, more low budget studios like Monogram. And he was doing more like supporting characters at um, at Universal, like in the Wolfman. He he plays Bela the fortune teller, and it's a it's a great role. But it's like a small. He had originally hoped to play the Wolfman actually. Around that time too, he had an old uh, World War II injury, which was causing him severe leg pain. So his doctor prescribed him morphine, and this and on this where he was hey um, you needed money, so he was playing Frankenstein. And Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Which he was at that time he was he was in his he was already in his sixties and because yeah. Bela he was born in eighteen eighty two so he was already older by this point yeah and mm-hmm. um, he unfortunately he passed out on the set oh, my and God. Universal stopped hiring yeah and Universal stopped hiring him they uh, they didn't hire him again until nineteen forty eight when they made Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein wow wow and uh, and even that was the same thing where he had he had to fight for the role again. 
he was hired like at the last, at the last, like in the meantime, like other actors were playing Dracula. Oh wow, that yeah. that's so like heartless of of the company to not hire him just because like he was dealing with a medical issue. That's so yeah, yeah. from from the war. <laughs> Yeah, war. like a war injury. Yeah. This war veteran is in pain. What yeah. the war? The war veteran passed out on stage because of his medication. Get him out of here! Like, yeah. What? what? Yeah, and it was in the. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, the, there's nothing concrete saying that that's why they stopped hiring him, but like, it's it, to me, it's what it sounds like, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it, it's they, like they, it's like so many disabled people too. There are things where it's like. This job didn't ask me back. I got demoted. This happened. And it's like, they didn't say it's because of my disability, but... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it definitely was. Like, it definitely yeah, and, was. They just wouldn't admit it. Right, yeah. And this performance, they really meddled with, too. And it was... um, Because originally, uh, the reason he was cast as Frankenstein is in the previous from Ghost of Frankenstein, Igor's brain gets put in the monster's body. It was going to be Igor. In Brits, so he, he had lines where he spoke in Igor's voice, and in the script he had he had been bl- made blind, but they changed it in the editing. They took out all his lines, and then they uh, they took out the references to him being blind, and that's why the monster has it. I know it's audio, but why the monster has that that signature arm stretch out walk really? is because he thought he was playing the blind character. Huh. Interesting. That's just become that's iconic. So... Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Just that's just become like, iconic. Just, zombie Frankenstein uh, thing. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so <laughs> wild. Huh. It's so that funny how those lot. things get started. Yeah. That's a really yeah. fun fact. Thank, thank you. And then, um, but at the time, like, like he, ne- he never, like, stopped working. He always did, like, lots of live theater. And um, one of the shows he was famous, you guys uh, ever heard of Arsenic and Old Lace? I love Arsenic and Old Lace. That's It's not. so fun. Yeah, he he played Jonathan Brewster. He uh, on Broadway it was Boris Karloff because in the original in the the original uh, it was like written for Boris Karloff and the like the famous running gag is they say to him you look like Boris Karloff and then he gets real mad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, for the tour they um, they offered it to Bela Lugosi, and he, it was on the condition the line be changed to you look like Bela Lugosi, oh and he, he agreed to do it. That's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> there's a really fun there's a really fun film version of arsenic and old lace we should watch violet oh you guys have got to see it you yeah. love it oh yeah i'm stoked but so he kept doing live theater um and that's just closer to the end of his life he just kept doing live theater right yeah so he was like it was yeah he would do uh you know dracula arsenic and old lace he did that became like one of his signature roles and because is the and he would still get movie offers, but they tended to be for like lower films and yeah. uh, like you know low budget films. Nineteen forty, he did do Abbott and Sell Me Frankenstein. That was a, that was a great a great time for him. You know, he got to play Dracula again. He took his son to the set. Um, they all had lunch at the commissary, and one Cheney Junior was made up as the Wolfman, and Glenn Strange was in Frankenstein makeup. <laughs> 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 and, um, so that was a, that was a that was a highlight, and then during the 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 fifties, oh, he also had a magic act too. Really? That he would do, yeah, and he did say it was called the Great Bad Illusion, and what it was, it, it worked sort of like the 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 lady going in the the, dis, the disappearing cabinet act 
where like she mm-hmm. would disappear. So he would hypnotize her to go into the cabinet and then they'd spin it around. But instead of it being empty, a bat would fly out. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the 50s, he um, met this low budget director named Ed Wood. Oh, cool. And yeah. <laughs> and um, this is their first meeting when Ed Wood, he was uh, making Glenn or Glenda. I mean, it was like a low budget film. It was um, by chance he was introduced to Bela Lugosi. So he offered him a part of the, the movie he was making. He, there was no real like part for him, but like he offered him one right away. And at first it was for $500. His wife, Lillian, they needed the money, but Lillian said he'll do it for a thousand. <laughs> Talk about negotiating. Yeah, right. Lillian yeah. was good at it. Bela, not so much, but Lillian was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and um and it was and he created this like kind of like godlike part for him the, the play where he like oversaw all the characters and then him and ed wood really became friends and they did yeah. bride of uh they, he did bride of the monster in his last film ed wood had filmed some footage of him in his uh, dracula costume kind of like wandering in cemetery and some stuff at tor johnson's house and then bela died so and Edward was made the script for Plan Nine from Outer Space around that footage. So his la- very fittingly, Bela Lugosi's last movie was after his death. Oh wow, <laughs> that is so fitting for him. That is right. perfect. And even and, I, I, and we can't have have a show without this. And for Bela Lugosi's funeral, his his ex, then ex wife Lillian and son decided that it'd be appropriate for him to be buried in full Dracula costume. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh. You know, That's just amazing. in case, just in case he rises again, he's already dressed for the occasion. Exactly. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you wouldn't want to rise from the grave with your pants down, you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he has to be dressed for the part. You need full takes tuxedo and cape. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Bobby. Um, everyone can find Bobby on TikTok at the handle Lugosi Theater, which I'll have in the show details. So you can go follow him, and he has all sorts of really cool Dracula and Bela Lugosi stuff, and just really fun horror stuff in general, um, and really great, very positive content about being autistic. Um, and I think, I think you should all go follow him. Yeah, thank definitely. you so much, thank, and thank you so much for having me. I, I had so much fun with you guys. Yeah, awesome. Thank yeah, you. we had fun with you too. So excited. Well, thanks, Bobby. Oh, I'm happy, dude. Thank you so much. And everyone have a happy Halloween. I'm back with the housekeeping. So just the usual, if you want to see what Violet and I are up to on social media, make sure you check out the show details. If you want to get Bobby's info because you want to learn more about some very cool Bela Lugosi facts and Universal Monsters, I also have his his info in the show details. If you'd like to support the show, the best way you can do that is sharing the show with others. We don't have any paid ads on our network and we also don't pay for ads to promote our show. So the way that we grow is entirely by word of mouth, um, and we've done that for our other show, Today's Lucky Winner. And y'all are great about sharing about our stuff. So if you want to help us out, that is the number one way you can help. Um, you can share it 
wherever and just recommend it to someone who you think would like it because that helps us out a ton. If you'd like to help us and you have the means to do so monetarily, you can become a patron of our Mixed Nomer Patreon where you get bonus material for anything we've done and anything we're going to do with Mixed Nomer Productions sort of in perpetuity. We have all of it there. So like for our other show, you get all of the music like downloads for all the music on our show, right? And for just a dollar a month, you get to join our Discord server where we get to hang out. And I just scheduled some streams for us to do. And that includes just like body doubling time with me, where I'm going to be writing season three of Today's Lucky Winner. And everyone can just kind of hang out and get their own work done. And it's like you're writing it with me. Also, I feel like I don't recommend this in the housekeeping section, but if by chance you are listening to this show and you have not checked out Today's Lucky Winner, uh, that's the show we've been doing as a group for the past whew, three years and some change, and I am currently in the middle of working on the third season, and it is a fiction show, and I write it, and I voice act on it, and Violet voice acts on it, and we have a gang of queer little neurodivergent weirdos who make the show all together and it's very fun and if you like vampires and gay stuff uh and raunchy humor it's probably your thing also if you support us on patreon you can get a shout out at certain levels like our friends randy lovings rachel rachelson sewing seraph b trossler kelly brennan smurdy singh helen clifford m mosen and lutzi if you also want to support the show you can leave us a cute little review on whatever app you're using, uh, that helps us get more people interested. And if you can kind of let them know what the show is about and why you like it, they're more likely to listen. So that would help us out a ton. And if there are any topics you want us to talk about more, like if we offhandedly mention something we're interested in on one of these episodes and you're like, no, 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 do a whole episode on that. Just like yell at us on the internet nicely. No, don't yell mean. I'm a baby. I will cry. Um, but just nicely say, like, hey, I would kind of like it if you did a whole episode on that. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've got for y'all, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>